Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. We are honoring and celebrating our veterans this coming week. And with me today is Sandra Beck. She is the host of Military Mom Talk Radio. And we're talking today about morale, what it is like for a military family to go through multiple deployments, multiple relocations, starting up and stopping life, moving from state to state. And this is something that the civilian population really does not pay attention to or even has an awareness of. And in celebration of all of those who have served and honoring their valiancy and their courage, we want to do a show today devoted to sharing the experience of our military service personnel and what they go through and how we as civilians can support them. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here today, Lisa. You know, so much is given up by our military families, you know, especially the children um, of our service members, that it's great to be able to talk to people today to kind of give people a greater understanding of what these families are going through. And and your show does just that. You really cater to moms, military moms who have young men and women who are deployed and really giving really solid information, tips and resources where people can go to support their families during a deployment. But you also give incredible resources and information for everyone seeking to support the military community. Absolutely. You know, women, we as women are the gatekeepers, you know, as much as men laugh at us about being gossips and, oh, we have to have our hen parties, you know, things like that are one of the best ways for families to communicate information from from parent to parent, from friend to friend, sister to sister, all that yakking that we do actually serves a purpose of de- delivering information and specific information, you know, that that would affect a military family that may not affect, you know, somebody who's not in that environment. 
And you have provided some incredible statistics to me that I think are very relevant to what we're talking about. There are over 3 million families living with recurring combat tours or recently more non-combat deployments. So in other words, there are 3, 3 million families in the United States that are service-connected. Absolutely. You know, and those 3 million families have another 2 million at least children. And so, you know, the war is now over 10 years old. And when you think about that, I always think about my son, Max, who's 12. And, you know, he was born the month the war began. So I kind of look at him and go, there's an entire generation of children growing up in wartime. And whereas it might not affect you or me or the civilian population as much, it definitely um, affects our military family because mom or dad or both mom and dad might be removed from the military family. And there's a big difference when dad or mom goes on a combat tour or they go on a non-combat tour. You know, that's a big difference, sending your child or your dad or your mom to war versus, you know, being deployed and doing some job somewhere else. You know, that's a whole different animal. Indeed. And, and and part of your cause, and I've known you for many, many years, and one of the things, the many things that I love about you is your interest in child development, specifically for these families, and making sure that the children receive the support services that are necessary to ensure a very healthy, hearty, and productive life ahead. Well, Lisa, you know, so many of us, you know, like for me, I was raised in a really small farming community and I had no idea there were therapists and counselors and, you know, all these different support groups for people. I had no idea how much information was out there. And then when I went to college in a big city, I went to Northwestern in Chicago. I was amazed at how many resources people had that we didn't even know about. And so many of our service men and women come from little small towns like mine. Um, getting information out is, is, is 99% of the battle, I think, for the military family. I agree. And educating the lay public about how to support these families. And th your show, Military Mom Talk Radio, I'm just, I'm so delighted to share that you reach millions and millions of listeners every month, well over 3 million. And that is a lot. Those are a lot of sets of ears. They are. And, you know, we're also reaching, you know, uh, ears in other countries and other military families, the Canadian military, the, you know, different countries in the European Union. Um, you know, kids are kids. Families are families. And war is war. And I don't care what your race, religion, creed, color, education level is and means to be afraid is to be afraid, a child afraid that something's going to happen to mom or dad, a child missing mom and dad, mom or dad handling all the kids, the responsibility, the finances on their own. Those are elements of the human condition. It's not just our U.S. military. It's not just our military people. And yes, I know civilians face these things, but not to the extent that the military family faces it over and over and over and over and over. And this is where you come in with your show, because each week you provide your listenership in the community with amazing, amazing guests that tackle subject matters that are not always easy or pleasant. You talk about spousal anxiety, depression, sleeping issues, other mental disorders that result from the stresses of separation of family members during deployments. 
Well, sure. And, you know, everybody's different, Lisa. And this is where, you know, it's really a big deal. Because if you have a three-year-old, a six-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 15-year-old, I'm, I'm using the military family down the street from me, when dad goes on deployment to Iraq or Afghanistan, all three of those kids are going to deal with it differently. We know boys deal things differently than girls. Then you've got mom, you know, dealing with everything. And then you have grandma and grandpa on both sides, well-meaning and there to help, coming in to assist this family. So you've got these little peanuts at different ages adjusting to different parents, different parenting structures, different parenting combinations. It might be her mom and his dad, you know, picking up, or it might be somebody like me, a neighbor who's always willing to help because I get it. Um, it's a lot for these kids. It's so much for these kids. I don't care if you're three or you're 13. And there are several other obstacles that we don't often pay attention to. And these uh, include moving you know, having to relocate several times and, and the pressure it puts on the family, the readjustment for the children, and then the sort of background uh, stressors of, will I be able to sell my house? Will I be able to get into a new house? Well, and that's a, that's a real concern because of so many foreclosures where, you know, a family gets settled. You've got four kids, two parents, good income, both work, you get settled, and then, then you have, you know, a PCS move. You have to move to another state. And so you have to pack up everything and go, well, if you can't sell your house, you know, houses have depreciated 30% in the last couple of years. It's very, very difficult to sell your house. How do you get a loan on your old house when you still have a loan or a loan on your new house? And then you've got all this stuff going on. You're by yourself and your kids have to go to new schools. You got to figure out new shopping routes. It's enormous. And when you look at the average military child goes to between six and nine different schools. That's a lot. Yes. When I read that statistic, I went, oh, my word. That is a lot. That is it. And, and, and there's so much readjustment that needs to take place. And if mom is busy taking care of the family, let's say that she was the one that stayed home with the children when they were little. And now she's the one not only taking care of the kids, but she's in charge of the income, maintaining the house, maintaining all of the finances. Mom is overloaded. Mom is really overloaded. And one of the, one of the key reasons people leave the military service, both men and women, is because of childcare issues. They cannot sustain their family with childcare. And if both mom and dad, you know, the, the military says you're not going to be put at different posts, but all you have to do is turn on the internet and see mom's here and dad's here and grandma and grandpa are raising the kids. It's pretty common, even though it's not supposed to happen. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough any way you slice it. There's another area that I wanted to, to bring up with you, and this is credentials. You have both parents, let's say, working. Both parents have credentials to work in different fields, and there's a relocation. And you have the cost of recertification of those licenses, perhaps uh, as a nurse or um, I mean, Teacher. what are... Teacher, teacher's another one, that how do you move about this recertification process without depleting your bank account? That's really hard because when you go across state lines, um, a lot of times their credential in California might not work in Arizona or New Mexico or North Carolina. So it's really tough to get recertified and then take more classes. 
We're going to need to go to a break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about this and talk about some of the guests that you have on the air on a weekly basis that addresses and supports some of these issues. Um, the show is MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. And on Twitter, that handle is MilMomTalkRadio. You're listening to me, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, with Sandra Beck, who also hosts a show on TogiNet. She actually hosts three shows on TogiNet, but we're talking about military service and supporting our veterans on this Veteran Day celebration. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Love to read? Looking to harvest your happiness? Then look no further. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is an author of three amazing books that will assist in taking your well-being and self-mastery to the next level. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life offers breakthrough strategies for creating your own personal happiness revolution. Perspectives on Addiction, an Integrated Journey to Wellness is an overview of the recovery process from a multi-stepped perspective and holistic approach of substance abuse and lifestyle management. Through her third book, Reintegration Strategies for Depression, Anxiety, Anger, Grief, and Post-Traumatic Stress, offers an own-nonsense approach to dealing with post-combat civilian life reintegration issues for veterans and their families. You'll find these books online at Amazon.com and HarvestingHappiness.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joy riding the coast with a global vibe, pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Quem mostrava esse caminho longe? Quem mostrava esse caminho longe? Esse caminho passando bem. Joy riding the coast with me, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Saturdays 2 to 5 on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net. Mindful meditative moments are free and relaxing on-the-spot mini staycation journeys designed to calm the mind and soothe the body from the comfort of wherever you are. No reservations or travel required. Check out the playlists on HarvestingHappiness.com and Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. We are talking with Sandra Beck, host of Military Mom Talk Radio, also a show on Toginet. She actually hosts three shows there, but we're celebrating and honoring our veterans this week. And we're talking about services and resources to support our servicemen and women, not only when they are on the front lines, but when they are in the homeland. And how do we help them more successfully reintegrate and uh, and bolster their families so their families can thrive and flourish? So, Sam, let, let, let you, 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 shared with some, you shared something with me on the break that sort of made me grimace. 
And that is that when people move from state to state, servicemen and women move from state to state, there is no program available to help them transition their credential, their certification, such as for teacher or other professional. And they're kind of on their own and, and out of pocket. Yeah. And, you know, we're trying. I mean, people are trying to work on these things. There is an interstate agreement, this National Association of State Directors of Teacher Education and Certification. That was established like in 2011. And every state participates in it except for Iowa and Minnesota. But this is a little bit uh, deceiving because the states have to have a reciprocity and both states have to participate in the agreement and then some states have their own special requirements which need to be met like additional coursework, testing, or classroom experience. The agreement is set up to make it much easier um, and the uh, the agreement also works in District of Columbia and territories like Guam and Puerto Rico and even some Canadian provinces but it's a state-by-state basis and just because like like Georgia for example they might accept a certification from Connecticut it doesn't mean that Connecticut accepts Georgia like it's still it's a mess it's a mess and it's something that only time will tell if we are able to more, more successfully help this licensure process to become easy, more easy and transparent. So this is something that's in process, but something certainly to be mindful of, that you make a move and one or both spouses cannot necessarily just amp up in in the workforce, which puts additional stresses on the family. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, let's let's talk a little bit about our reservists and National Guardsmen, because they make up nearly half of all service members. And this is an astounding figure uh, for many people to learn. Well, and, you know, it's really important, Lisa, because a lot of times you can easily recognize certain military families. You know, dad might be in uniform, dad might be in fatigues. You know, you might see the mom wearing a proud army mom shirt or, a, you know, my husband's a Marine, something like that. You know, you pretty much know a lot of the families who are military, uh, full military. And then you have reservists. Now, reservists and National Guardsmen make up nearly half of all of our service members, but they don't live on base. And so they are hiding in your neighborhoods. They're they're down the street. They might be like in our case, one of our soccer coaches is a reservist. And it was really funny because during the soccer season, one of the moms got, you know, her knickers in a knot because she's like, you know, how come he's gone? He's like missing like, you know, every month he misses. And we're like, well, because he's going for his reservist work, you know, and, and, you know, so it can be misleading that just because they're reservists, they're not called up to duty or just because they're National Guardsmen, they're not real service members. Um, but because they don't live on bases, they have a really hard time with certain things. They don't get all the base support that families get when they live on a base. Not that that's, you know, that great, but but it's there. If you're in a civilian neighborhood, you know, you might not have access to like DOD, Department of Defense, child care facilities and child care and getting kids place to place is it's like 50 percent of the families that were surveyed in some of these reports I read for today. That's their biggest concern. And the other thing is the reservists and the guardsmen tend to be older and many of them have more established careers. So when they do take off and leave the family to serve, there is a disparate uh, amount of income that is gone as well. So the family also is challenged in this way. 
They are. They are challenged in a lot of ways when mom or dad leave. And one of the things as a civilian you can do as a friend, if if you find out somebody's, you know, husband or wife, reservist, National Guard, active duty is going to be gone for whatever they're doing. A simple thing is, can I help you with the kids? I mean, it's really that simple. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Can I help you with the kids? Because if a mom like the mom down the street from me has those four kids, um, getting to and from soccer practices and soccer games on Saturday and baseball and, and dance class or whatever else the kids are doing, if you can pick them up and drop them off, it's huge to the military service member and their family. And what is it for you to pick up and drop off? Nothing. It's a gift and a pleasure and an honor. I mean, this is where I think we can really raise the civilian awareness of how to serve, how to give back, that it's in these little simple interventions and gift of time and little bits of ourselves that we can make our own difference. Absolutely. And, you know, when people say, you know, they're proud to be an American, they're proud of our country, you know, and they're so proud of our service members, I'm really obnoxiously, so I just say, put your money where your mouth is and pick up the slack for one of our service member families who has to do double duty while mom and dad's away. And that could be, you know, picking up groceries, that could be picking up or dropping off kids, that could be, you know, one time I went down with a bunch of girlfriends and we cleaned her house. Because she cannot keep up with all this. No one could. It's like all the things that are benefited me from being a single mom. People are always like, oh, how can we help you? Can we do this? Can we do that? Same thing. Look at your service members, families as a single parent for that time. And how can you help? And then that way, when they serve, you serve and everybody wins. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about some of the guests that come on the show because... Not all of the support required of our servicemen and women is psychological. We think, oh, if they've served, they're going to come home and they're going to need uh, psychological support. And in many cases, that may be true. But there's so many other forms of support and so much information that you're disseminating on your show. I would love for you to share with our listeners the kinds of information and support that can be received. Absolutely. We bring on a lot of psychologists. We bring on a lot of child psychologists that, and therapists and, and social workers that give us insight into what's going on with our kids. Because let's be frank, a lot of our military families are not in locations where they can get psychological help. They're not going to go get psychological help because of the stigma or because they don't want things on their military record. You know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people don't uh, go for help. And I get that. So what we do is we bring people on and we talk about the realities of what is. So military family members have a leg up on what might be going on with their child, what might be going on with their sibling, what might be going on with their mom. We have teenagers who listen to our show and, and get an insight in what it's like to be a military mom from a different perspective. And our military moms are really any females associated with the caregiving of a, a service member. So they could be aunts, grandmas, they can be moms, they can be wives who are raising children. You know, we chose the term military mom loosely because it just meant the women in the military family who are looking out for someone. So we try to bring specialists on that talk about reentry, reintegration. We talk about deployment. We talk about um, how kids are affected by X, Y, and Z, you know, something different than in years past, Lisa. Like when I was a little girl and uh, I used to see, and I was only five or six years old, but my mother would jump up and she would shut the television off if the caskets were coming home, you know, from the Vietnam War, any of that stuff was on, she'd shut it off. 
But today's kids with social media, they are seeing the gruesome reality of war. They are seeing ISIS. They are seeing mommy and daddy in harm's way. And that is is upsetting to children in a way that social media has helped them connect to their family members when they're gone. But they also have really graphic exposure to the horrors of war through the Internet. And this exposure causes a secondhand trauma. I mean, this is why we need to be so mindful with our kids and, 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 and how we talk to them and how we explain the risks that the parent who has deployed is exposed to. I mean, this is very serious stuff. And the services that you're offering through the show are tremendous. And what I like most about it is you don't have to show up to a shrink's office to get the help. It's free. Absolutely. And it's private. You can listen in. You can, a lot of times we'll talk about resources you can go to on the web or Google this and you'll find out more about it. Because sometimes just pointing a mom in the right direction is all she needs. It's not like, you know, she needs tremendous help all the time, but to demystify something that's going on in your family because it happens in every military family at some point, there's a lot of comfort in that and there are resources out there without having you to run around like a chicken with your head cut off. And it's important to address the amount of mental health challenges that our service men and women are exposed to both when they are deployed and when they return that it's you know probably i mean i think the statistics are somewhere between 25 and 30% the official ones that the VA is giving but it's probably more likely to be closer to 40 I would push it much higher than that because we know from looking at the medical records of just active duty wives, just the wives of active duty service members between 2003 and 2006, almost 40% of them whose husbands were deployed showed that they were diagnosed with at least one mental health disorder. So that's secondary. You know, you just go, okay, well, let's go to the primary and now let's look at the kids. If mom has something going on because of this, this situation, dad comes home with his own thing. You know, the child rates are, I've seen as high as 75% in some communities because of the nature of combat. But the positive side to a very dark situation is help is available. Resources are available and no one should have to suffer alone. No. And if you know a family is separated because of deployments or because whatever, and you're taking your son to, to throw a baseball or kick a soccer ball in the park, call up that family member and invite that kid. Call up that family and say, you know what, I'm going to Boy Scouts and I'd love to take your son if he'd like to participate. You know, there's that old adage, it takes a village or a community to raise a child. Well, even more so, and if you are a parent and you're distressed as I am about these things, what you can do about it is simply lend a hand. Cheer extra loud for that kid, you know, at soccer or at dance or at a concert because maybe mom and dad aren't there or maybe only mom is there. There's so much you can do. You don't even have to open your wallet. You just have to show up, make eye contact, offer and smile. Oh, how beautifully said. The show is Military Mom Talk Radio. Sam, what, what is the air date? Oh, uh, it airs live Mondays at 3 o'clock Pacific. And then it's rebroadcast through syndication and is available on iTunes and other outlets as well? 
It is. It is. All you do is go to Google, type in Military Mom Talk Radio, and you'll find something of starting place. Wonderful. And once again, that website is MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. And the Twitter handle is at MilMomTalkRadio. And the amazing host is my friend Sandra Beck and fellow TogiNet host. Sam, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. And thank everyone who is serving and for our littlest soldiers who serve, our children of service members. Indeed. Indeed. We salute you and we admire your courage, bravery, and service to all. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Remember what it feels like to receive a gift? We all know nothing gives happiness like a present, so you should unwrap yours at HarvestingHappiness.com and sign up to receive your free ebook, Got Happiness Now, that offers simple, user-friendly ways to get greater happiness in your world each and every day. That's HarvestingHappiness.com. Lisa Cypress Kamen has built an impressive global lifestyle management consulting company offering applied positive psychology, mindfulness, and integrated well-being coaching. Her services, including addiction and trauma recovery support, as well as life crisis triage, are available worldwide through phone, video, and on-site. In addition, Lisa delivers workshops, lectures, and trainings to corporations and institutions and is a frequent guest expert on many prominent radio and TV shows. Connect with us at Harvesting Happiness for more information. Harvesting Happiness for Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation offering innovative and integrated stigma-free combat recovery services to veterans and their loved ones with programming that focuses on the transformation of post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth using scientifically proven positive psychology coaching tools and strategies that increase self-mastery, self-awareness, and self-esteem to help heal the invisible wounds of war. To make a tax-free charitable contribution or to learn more, please visit visit hh4heroes.org. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are honoring servicemen and women who have given their lives to support our country and giving back with uh, honoring them on Veterans Day. And we're talking about military morale. And with me in the studio today are two representatives from the Blue Angels. And I'll have you uh, know more about those Blue Angels in a minute. But I want to tell you a little story about how I learned about those Blue Angels. A few weeks ago, I live uh, just north of Malibu, California, in a small beach community. And we have a, a, a Navy base nearby. And the Blue Angels had come out and gave an incredible performance for all to see for free. And all one had to do was look up and just your mouth dropped open because what we were treated to was the most incredible jet 
fighter pilot show in the sky, flying overhead, making us smile, making us just wince, making us actually proud to be an American and proud to have the Blue Angels in our backyard. And with me now is Chief Yeoman Angela R. Gingrich from the United States Navy and Andrea Perez, Mass Communications Specialist First Class also from the United States Navy. And these ladies have given their time, their service, their their interest, and their joy to supporting the Blue Angels. Thank you, ladies, for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio today. Thank you. Ah, well, it is a pleasure to have you both here. You are both very highly decorated, and you have served overseas. You have served in the war, and you're doing something a little bit different in support of the Blue Angels. And I'd love for you to talk about the history of the Blue Angels, its mission, and your role with the Blue Angels. Okay, well, I guess I can start. Uh, This is Mass Communication Specialist First Class Andrea Perez, and... Um, A little bit of history, I guess the Blue Angels have been around since 1946. We're actually going to be going into our uh, 70th anniversary in this coming year. And what I do for the team is I actually work in the public affairs office. So uh, we do a lot of different things, but basically promoting the team um, is our primary responsibility and mission. Uh, We do that through photography, stories, videos. Uh, we coordinate with all the air shows we go to and make sure we get you know, our message out to local media um, and let the local um, city and media know that we're there so we can promote these air shows um, and get people to come out and see us. So um, I came to be with the Blue Angels um, through... Um, an interview process, which is what everyone does when they come to the Blue Angels. What's really cool about that is we're one of the few um, squadrons in the military that gets to kind of pick their replacement. Um, You don't get at that a lot of places. Usually you you get orders somewhere and you go there and um, hopefully it's someplace you like, but you don't always get to try and strive for that that one um, that one place that you really want to go to and Thankfully, after my interview, they liked me, and I was chosen, and and it's been a great um, adventure ever since I got here. And let's talk a little bit about the configuration of the Blue Angels, because these are a series of elite, expensive jets powered by probably some of the most talented pilots in the world. Um. Yeah, that's true. You would say that they are very, um, you know, expensive, strong (laughs) aircraft. But at the same time, a lot of people don't know that we get some of the oldest aircraft in the fleet. Um, We fly FA-18 Hornets, and we started flying the Hornet in uh, 1987. Uh, It's been around since the early 80s. And once these jets have basically hit their uh, flight hour limit, out in the fleet, that's when they get turned over to the Blue Angels um, and when we do an acceptance on them. So it really takes uh, quite a talented group of mechanics to keep these jets actually in the air and running. So we're not always getting the newest, best jets. They just look new because they're so, they're so pretty. They're nice and blue and yellow. Well, you know, much like me, aging but holding together well. You know, <laughs> you know they have a lot of people pampering these planes. How much does an FA-18 cost? Ooh, oh, my gosh. 
Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. I, wish I, had. I wish I had the answer for you. All right, millions and millions, and we'll <laughs> move on. <laughs> what about the top speed of these planes? How fast can they go? Um, the top speed is Mach 1.4, but, of course, we don't fly that fast at an air show site. The fastest we'll fly at an air show is actually 700 miles per hour. It's still really, really fast. Um, and it, when we do that, what we call the sneak pass, that's the one that everyone in the crowd absolutely loves. Um, but that's the fastest we'll go. A lot of people will say, oh, you break the sound barrier, you're so loud. But, but we don't. Um, we actually, it's against, you know, FAA policy to break the sound barrier. Um, so, yeah, they can go very fast. Just you won't see us go at a top speed at an air show site. Well, the sneak pass, let's talk about that because I'm standing on Pacific Coast Highway um, just outside of Point Magoo, and I am just standing there looking up just like a kid. Probably I, I, I could imagine myself as five or six years old how I would be at, this, at an event like this. And I'm standing there, and suddenly there it comes. And it, there it, they pass overhead, and it is such a, an adrenaline rush for the viewer for the person on the ground. I can only imagine what it's like for these men and women in the air. <laughs> I, uh, honestly, I, I still get in the awe look, you know, and I've been with the team for two years. So it's just amazing of what they do and how it feels. And, you know, and there's a lot of video right now that one of our uh, team members have put on on, a face, on Facebook, on YouTube, just to see the reaction of what the pilots are actually doing inside the cockpit. And it's just, it, it their looks of what they're doing is just amazing. You know, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been on the team and how old you are, like you stated, that it's the, uh, it's just the reaction of everybody that you get to see. How many yeah. pilots are in the Blue Angels? How many um, are, are there total and are there substitutes? Do you have backups? Do you rotate? We have 113 and there's nobody coming in. This is what we have here is what we have. Yeah, that's personnel. And then as far as pilots, um, there's, seven primary pilots. You'll see six of them in the demo, but it's the same people every weekend at every air show site throughout the season that you'll see. And that's a two-year commitment on the part of the pilot? Yes, ma'am. And I looked at your schedule. You are busy pretty much every week of every year, right? There is, there is not a lot of downtime because the demand is so high. That is correct. We, there are no days off. There are no days off if you are a Blue Angel, a part of the team. No, ma'am. No. um, And when it comes to the officers and the pilots, they're pretty much going to be guaranteed to be at every single show site. Uh, Some of the maintenance crew and then our support ratings, like myself, we work on a rotation. So um, I don't go to every show site. Um, I'm usually trying to kind of figure out public affairs for four to five shows at any given time. But then I'm only on the road every three or four weeks since we have, you know, so many people in our shop and we, we can send just one on the road. I'm not, not every single maintenance shop um, has, you know, is able to do that. Um, they might not get as much time off, but, um, but I am up here. How are the pilots selected? I would think that that would be a very, very competitive process. It is almost like the same process the enlisted have to go through. They have to put in an application. Um, then our, our team members that are the active team members at the time will look at all their applications, choose which ones they like, and, you know, and all the selectees. They'll go to different shows. 
But then they'll also come here and they'll get selected also, and then they'll have an, they have like a three-step process when it comes to the officers getting selected. But they're also how, putting in applications. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. They're also putting in applications uh, and coming and meet the team members, you know, and just coming down to Pensacola, you know, just also do their interviews. So the team is based in Pensacola, Florida. Those who are selected to be vetted, because I'm sure this is a multi-stepped process, they come down, they see how they mesh with the rest of the team, then their skills are are also put to the test, I would assume. And then yeah. what is the deciding factor? What usually the, tips it for someone? For the officers or for the enlisted? For the officers. <laughs> the, all the officers, the, uh, like, like I stated, the, all the active team members of the officers all get together in one room and basically hash it out for hours and hours and hours. It, and then, you know, when they all agree, then that's who they pick. Mm. And how many women are on the team? How many pilots are there that are women? Female pilots, we have R1, which is uh, Captain Katie Higgins, and she's our C-130 pilot. Wow. And, and, and tell us a little bit about Katie Higgins, because she is a, a, a warrior in her own right, stepping into this. She, I would say um, she has definitely been uh, the highlight of the season as far as interest from the media. Uh, that is for sure. She is usually one of the uh, first requests for interviews um, just about anywhere we go. And and even when it comes down to kids and people, you know, watching the demonstrations out in the crowd, they're the ones who want to, you know, is she going to be out there signing autographs at the end of the day? She's she's the primary one. So um, it it's very amazing to see how, you know, how dedicated she is to working all these air shows, you know, very hard and then still keeping up with the media aspect of it at the same time. Mm, fascinating. How many air shows are being flown a year? Um, it varies each year, but generally it's between 34 and 37. Um, I, I think it was 36 this last year. And at each air show site, we fly two official demonstrations. So then basically that number doubles. I think, um, I think it came out to 69 air shows this year wow. um, because some sites, wow. It's just like kind of a flyover, like the Naval Academy, but that that sounds about right. Well, nonetheless, if one ever has the ability to attend one of these air shows and look up in the sky and be delighted by the the work of the Blue Angels, I promise a, a, a moment of, of happiness and bliss because it really is an awesome experience. We're going to take a break and come back and carry on the conversation about the Blue Angels. To learn more, please visit www.blueangels.navy.mil. On Twitter, that handle is at Blue Angels, and on Facebook, that page is U.S. Navy Blue Angels. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Lisa Cypress-Kamen, author of Got Happiness Now, is also a prestigious TEDx presenter. Her talks, The Mysteries of Fear and the Inversion Theory of Joy, can be found online at TED.com and on the Harvesting Happiness YouTube channel. 
a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Check out the critically acclaimed documentary film, H Factor, Where is Your Heart? An insightful visual journey from Lisa Cypress-Kamen, showing that every person possesses the means to be happy. Follow Lisa and her nine-year-old daughter, Kayla, as they travel the world on the hunt for the universal keys to human happiness. Their question, what makes you happy? Discover the origins of human happiness, where to find it, create it, and keep it. Find it in our shop at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast in celebration of Veterans Day because we're talking with representatives from the Blue Angels. And prior to the break, we were talking with Chief Yeoman Angela R. Gingrich, United States Navy, and Angela Perez, Mass Communications Specialist First Class, also with the United States Navy. We're talking a little bit about the load that the Blue Angel pilots um, bear. They do upwards of, I think it was, close to 70 shows a year if you talk about repeating those flights twice in a weekend. So this is this is an elite bunch of men and women or elite bunch of men and one amazing woman who are greatly contributing to the military morale in our country. And ladies, I would love for you to talk about that. Why are the Blue Angels so important to military morale? I, I don't know. I think it's more of of our job is going more for the civilians, the kids, you know, to show them this is what they can do when they grow up, uh, you know, and I believe that's what our purpose is here for, you know, is going to all these air shows, you know, and, you know, going to the adults, it's like, wow, this is great, but then looking at the kids of this is what I want to do when I grow up. And we have a couple of those that are pilots right now, and even, you know, on the enlisted side that saw our air show when they were a kid, and now they're part of the team. It's just, you know, making it a dream come true when it comes to that part of our our nature of our job and you know and that brings up the morale of them just wanting to be a blue angel when they when they get older and i would add on to that also to say um that's actually part of our primary mission is to inspire inspire a culture of excellence and service to country um so so even if someone sees us at an air show and you know, maybe it's not their goal to be in the military or to become a Blue Angel. It's still seeing us and how, 
you know, our pride and professionalism in everything that we do when we're out there and taking our jobs so seriously, um, it might inspire something within themselves to go find, you know, what their passion is. And so even if it's not, you know, like I said, inspiring them to be a Blue Angel, it would still inspire them um, in their life. I think you hit on something really important about inspiring passion because so much of what we know about happiness, you know, how to create a happy life, how to create a life of meaning comes from discovering and pursuing passion. And this is where I see the role of the Blue Angels as being instrumental, especially like you say, to, in, to inspire youth. Yeah, I, yeah, I would completely agree with you um, that you know, that's why it's so important that we continue to go to these air shows is um, it, it gives youth a chance to even get next to the military to see what it is that they could someday do. Um, but half the air shows that we do are at military bases and half are at civilian airfields. So it kind of gives anyone a chance to come and see the Blue Angels and come and just kind of meet military. Um, Usually there's a good portion of um, people who are recruiting for the military, so you might meet you know, someone from the Air Force, you might meet someone from the Army uh, when you come to an air show, and it just it bridges that gap between um, you know, military and civilian. And I think as a, as a recruiting tool, I think you do mention something that is, that is noteworthy, that if one is inspired and inclined to join the military, seeing the possibility, you know, seeing sort of the top gun elite place that one could rise to is also pretty impressive. Yes, I mean, that is our part of our primary mission is going to be recruiting. Um, so a lot of when we're out there at the air shows, one of the things that we do after, you know, we've got the jets ready in the morning and we're ready for the show a lot of the enlisted personnel, while you know the pilots may have to do their brief, we will get out there in the airfield and we'll take photos with kids, we'll sign autographs, we'll just talk to really anyone who has questions. And that's I would I would argue is one of the most people on this team. One of their favorite things about going to these air shows is the time that they get to go out and and talk with people who have an interest in what they're doing. I just like seeing the adults be kids again. <laughs> That's fun, too. Yes. It like brings and, out their inner kid. Yeah, exactly. And that was my experience. That's what inspired me to want to reach out and have you on the show, because I was able to take my place, myself back to a place of, of, of childhood, you know, being sort of unfettered by the stresses of life, very much in the moment, very proud you know, of what I was able to be a part of and witness. And it's just cool. It's the, the, the training that these pilots go through with these aircraft is amazing. And I wanted to ask what kind of training is involved for these demonstrations? I mean, you're talking about precision, timing, and formation, and a whole host of other skills that I'm not even aware of. Right. Uh, before the pilots uh, come to the team, they have to have a certain number of flight hours that um, – you know, they've had just practicing in the fleet alone. And then the whole team picks up and goes to California um, at the beginning of the year. So from January to March, uh, we're all out there. We're working six days a week. Um, there's 
four different, we call them sorties, but there's four flights a day uh, where they're going out to the desert and practicing these maneuvers just over and over again. So it's a lot of dedication. It's a lot of um, physical, yeah, physically demanding and hard work on, of course, the enlisted, but especially the pilots um, who really, you know, they're, they're at the level of an athlete having to go out and do the, these flights every single day. And that's what I wanted to also ask about is the conditioning of the physical and mental conditioning of the pilot, because this is hard work. Right. Uh, they're, they're all required to, to, yep, they're required to work out every single day. Um, and that doesn't leave, you know, Captain Higgins isn't any different. Um, she's a pilot as well. And so she's required to do those same workouts as all, you know, her male counterparts. And it's just, their dedication, it's something they're required to do, and they do it. The jets, when they're flying, they appear to be practically kissing one another, you know, from, from when one is standing on the ground. But I know that's not true. How close do these planes come to one to each other? Um, they, they'll be as close as 15 inches from wingtip to canopy. Oh, so they are really that close to they each other. They are really that close. Um, as a photographer for the team, um, I, I'll ride in the back seat, and I've, there's several times that I've ridden in the back seat of one of the jets to do photos uh, during a practice demonstration, and I can definitely tell you firsthand that it looks very, very close. Sometimes it looks even closer than that, but 15 inches is about, they won't start like that, but by the end of the season, they will definitely be that close. Wow. I had no idea. Now, speaking from your perspective and experience as being a passenger in one of these planes, what is that like? Uh, it's very, very difficult. I I definitely have no interest to be a pilot. Um, I don't think that I can physically handle something like that. Um, it's a fun ride, but at the same time, I'm doing my job as a photographer, so I'm just concentrating on really getting that perfect shot. Um, but yeah, it's definitely uh, very physically demanding. Well, as the photographer and, and, and hoping to keep yourself together physically and mentally, I'm assuming that having that camera in your hand and the lens between you and your experience is helpful. Yes, I always say when people ask about that, that I think it, it kind of keeps me I want to say grounded, but it keeps me from getting um, maybe nauseous or sick. It helps me just focus on, like, kind of look through the lens, and that's my guide. And what kind of preparation do the pilots and their passengers make to get ready for a flight? Is there a particular um, garb, you know, G-suits, or is there anything special that they need to wear or prepare for the show or to fly? Well, every time we do any type of demonstration or flight, they will do a brief, um, and then, of course, they debrief the flight as well. But the brief, um, they'll go over, you know, exactly where they're going to be flying and what maneuvers they're going to be doing. Um, so it's very important that they, they have that brief before every flight. Um, it aids in safety as well. And... Uh, we don't wear G-suits. We do not wear G-suits, no. Yeah. Uh, well, you, <laughs> and that includes the passengers. They're not allowed to wear G-suits either. And the reason for that is that the pilots know precisely 
when each maneuver is happening and the inflation of a G-suit would get in the way um, of them being able to do that maneuver. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it definitely um, riles up the kid in me, and I'm sure everybody says the same thing. You even say the same thing. And really, the service that the Blue Angels perform is, you know, delighting the public, inspiring uh, future military servicemen and women, and just creating goodwill and and upliftment for those with whom you come in contact, which is incredible. It's really lovely. And it's free. That's the other thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't coordinate the air shows. Uh, we're just one of the performers, but um, it is always very nice when um, they don't charge anything yeah. to get into an air show. That's that's very nice. It's very nice and very expensive, no doubt. <laughs> We have a couple more minutes, and I just wanted to ask both of you to share a little bit about your personal military service careers, because you've done a lot of different things. You've each gleaned um, some wonderful medals and awards, and I just want to say thank you and honor you during this Veterans Day week for the work that you've done. So would you be willing to share a little bit about your experience? Sure. (laughs) My turn. (laughs) I have a... I have 20 years in the service, and uh, coming in back in December 27th of 1995, I never thought, one, I'd be in for 20 years, and second, I never thought I'd be a Blue Angel. Um, Everything that I've done in my career has all been memorable. Um, I've met wonderful people um, that I still am in contact with to this day and that I've met a long time ago when I first joined, Um, but... uh, just doing what I do and meeting the people and getting to work at the places that I have worked, it's been amazing. Um, I just, I never thought in a million years that, you know, after 20 years, the one that, again, that I would be a Blue Angel. And this right here, this has been the most memorable command. And if it's time for me to, you know, hang up my cover, as I've said before, then this is the this is a place that, I would do it, and I'm proud, and I'm proud to have done what I've done and served in the Navy. Mm. That was Chief Yeoman Angela R. Gingrich. And Andrea Perez, please talk to us about Mass Communications Specialist First Class and what you've done um, with the U.S. Navy, because you, you too have had an incredible career. Okay, well, uh, I haven't definitely not been in the service as long as Chief Gingrich. Um, I'm actually fairly young in the Navy. I've only uh, coming up on my uh, sixth year and only been to one command prior to this. Um, A lot of my experience was actually civilian experience. I was a photographer for almost 10 years before I decided to join the Navy as a journalist. Um, it's it's the only thing that I really, really wanted to do uh, for the Navy, and I was actually very lucky that I was able to get into this rate because um, I absolutely love what I do. And I guess being so young in the Navy, I didn't really think I would have an opportunity to do um, a job with such esteem. Uh, again, I feel like I'm very lucky, but um, of course, you know, work as hard as I can to do the very best I can in in this job every single day. And 
I love the Navy, so at this point, you know, I'm planning to stay in, and maybe I'll hit that 20-year mark like Chief Gingrich. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing a bit of yourselves and the work that the Blue Angels does to um, celebrate and increase military morale. We will grab a couple of those videos and put them up on our website and put them into social media circulation because they are inspiring. And we are out of time. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. And before we depart, I want to once again give the contact information for the Blue Angels. They can be found at www.blueangels.navy.mil. And on Twitter, that handle is at Blue Angels. And the Facebook page is U.S. Navy Blue Angels. And thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kaming and my wonderful guest today, Sandra Beck, Chief Yeoman Angela R. Gingrich, and Andrea Perez, Mass Communications Specialist First Class, Wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And thanks to our producers who make us shine each and every week. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook. Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.